You're listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 402. My name's Dave, joined as always by my co-host Wayne as we continue our look at the HBO Max series, Be Foreigners. And uh, we are on the verge of April 1st, and no jokes on our nope. end, right? No, no jokes on us. It's only the 30th of, of March, so it'd be grossly yeah, inappropriate yep. to, to you know, tell your shoes untied or something like that. Yeah. So uh, by the time most of you listen to this podcast, I know Fred w- is an early listener because he, he gets the podcast and listens to it on his way to work or I guess if he's working at home um, in his home. But uh, yeah, Friday I'll be getting my oh, first nice. shot and looking forward to it. Yeah, it's been a, been a while. Cool. So uh, looking forward to that and hopefully they'll get me squared away three or four weeks later to get my second one. But Fingers crossed. Everything goes well. I'm looking forward to it. But, dude, we got a lot to talk about yeah, tonight. We We've got um, three three pieces of feedback. We want to welcome Tobias as our newest patron. He's also sent us some audio feedback, which we'll listen to later in the podcast. So uh, why don't we just jump right into it? And, and in terms of what I'm watching, you know, I mentioned the, the Lost Pirate Kingdom on Netflix, and I did finish that. It's only six episodes, and you know it was okay. It, it was certainly entertaining. It, it was more documentary than than piece of fiction, and you know the actors were were pretty good. So, None of those you know, adjectives you use would <clears throat> encourage me to watch the but, show. But, yeah, but I mean, you know, it's one of those things that sometimes you just don't know what you want to watch. Sometimes for me, I don't feel like investing too much emotion into a show so just just give me something i can kind of pay attention to and if it really grabs me then i'll put down my laptop so it's one of those shows i mean i i know that doesn't sound like a, a no, ring endorsement but <laughs> but i know but but the the show that uh we're working on again i think i mentioned it it's a uk detective series called dci banks and Again, it's in the vein of all the BBC detective shows. And, and you know, one of the things I'm noticing about the BBC UK detective shows is that for the most part, they're based on novels as opposed to, at least in my experience, the detective crime dramas in the US, which is just, I guess, a writer's room coming up mm-hmm. each week with a storyline. And I think the european model where they take a novel and a character that really has a history and a backstory really just works so much better and maybe that's why i like this so much but it took me a while to come around to liking dci banks who is the male lead in the series interestingly the female lead had to briefly disappear from the series because she became pregnant in real life. And like many shows have to do, and Van Helsing is one that that comes to mind for me, the the lead, Vanessa Van Helsing, got pregnant in real life and, and left the show for a while. And they brought in another actress who was phenomenal. And then they kept them both on when the lead returned. And, and that's kind of what they've done here. The replacement just kicked narrative ass, stays on. The two of them are are really different, but it's just a really cool dynamic. So, again, DCI Banks, it's on HBO Max. Actually, that one's not on Netflix. So, uh, anyway, that's what I've got. All right, so 
I've got, I have to kind of because there was I had a busy week that uh, I've actually not busy as in work, but busy in watching TV. But I guess I'd be remiss if I didn't do a shout out to the season finale of Snowpiercer. Season one kind of just kind of set up, I think, as far – I know there was more to it than season one than just set up. But what we really see is season two building on what they established in season one and really, um, you know, just – it was just outstanding. And the 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 last three episodes in particular – and last night they – they because the the week before there's this basketball tournament going on. I didn't know if you knew Dave that there's this college basketball tournament going on right now. I heard about it. Yeah. So um, so uh, you know TNT was you know you know showing the NCAA's and so um, you know it got uh, it, it booted uh, Snowpiercer last week and so they did uh, two episodes this week and it's it's actually good that they did because those two episodes really worked together to form one story really well and uh, so it's great. I don't want to give any kind of spoilers or anything but uh, just um, if you are like Dave and you have not seen season two of Snowpiercer then you should really get on it and go check it out alright um, cool so the other show, and I'm I'm like I have like three episodes to go of this one, but I just have to talk about it. It's so freaking good. And I think I've mentioned to you it before it I'm sorry, I mentioned it to you before, is Alice in Borderland on Netflix. Have you heard about this one? I have not, no. So it's a Japanese show and it is outstanding. I mean, as I'm watching you know, you know how like you're sitting there and you're like, Holy F, this is this is a great show. Like I am witnessing greatness right now, and and I've I've thought that often watching this show. The basic premise is starts with this 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 kid who's uh, you know kind of like kind of it's, we would call him a slacker in the states. You know he likes playing his PlayStation and he's wearing like kind of ratty jeans and the t shirt. And his his uh, brother is you know on the track to be you know like a successful person. Goes to work in a suit and everything. So this young man and his friends are kind of like, you know, again, not not really getting on and, and you know, making waves in the world. And they, uh, through just, they you know, they, they kind of like are goofing around. They, uh, um, they attract the nose of the police. They run away. They go into a subway station and hide in the stall. When they come out of the stall and they're in Tokyo, uh, every human being is gone. Tokyo is completely empty and they walk around and they are directed to a place and they basically grab a phone when they show up at the place and they have to play a game. And if they survive the game, then they get a couple of days off, but they have to keep playing a couple of days later and everything. It's the craziest concept I know, but it's just so well done the characters are are very just rich characters acting is amazing i i i love it i so i'm probably gonna finish the last three episodes tonight of of the i assume the first season i hope there's more but i don't know because i haven't got to the end or anything but it's it's really i can't recommend this show highly enough okay what was the title again it's called alice in borderland okay all right i'm gonna write that one down all right. Sounds good. It's a good one. Trust me. All right. Well, listen, before we get into our discussion, uh, you know, you, you say you took it as a personal challenge. 
from Tobias, but uh, whatever. So you've got I didn't another say project. A challenge, that- but just like you know, it was good. He said we could we should talk about these things. I thought you know what that's that's actually a good point. So, All right. All right, so yeah, I haven't done a Project X in ages, and now I've done two in two weeks. So uh, maybe getting back in the swing of this, uh, maybe I just have a little bit more time at work. Um, like, for example, I was looking at St. Olaf, and I found this one website. It was really just going through, like, well, when Olaf's parents were named blah, blah, blah. And you know, it like, made it sound like he was born, like, 10 years ago. We knew everything about him. Like, this is BS, you know? Like, there's no way. Uh, you can't say anything about a guy who lived that long with any kind of certainty. You can say... Well, it's, you know, we think he or he potentially did or he probably was or he is, you know, we found this source where he was at. But, you know, to, to for any certainty to say anything about any of these. So anyway, uh, so first of all, talk about the, the Sammy, which we see them uh, in the beginning of this episode. And there are a people that live in northern Scandinavia, uh, especially uh, there's Finland and Sweden and Norway. I think they're all, all up in there. And it's a it's a completely different culture than that of the Scandinavian people. So it's not like they were an offshoot of the Scandinavian, like those uh, you know, those North German European peoples who migrated to Scandinavia from the West. These people came from the East, and they're kind of they speak a language that's spread out from, I believe, Hungary and and Finland. Uh, so it's a really big language group, but it's clearly a group that came from the east to the west. And whereas we have the, the Scandinavians came from the west to the east, uh, the Scandinavians populated the southern part of, of Scandinavia and the Sami populated the northern part. Um, there, there is some discrepancies, it seems like, about like who got there first and everything. Uh, it seems like the, they were both groups were there for quite a while before they interacted and and that is geographic by the most part is very cold up north so the people who were you know migrating from the from the west wouldn't necessarily be encouraged as especially when we see Navin if they looked like him they're they're not going to go too far north so and Fred says something and we can't as a North American you can't watch the beginning of this episode and not think oh well they, they seem very similar to Native Americans but they they aren't I mean there there is you know it, they're they are related to Native Americans in in so much as almost all humans are related to each other right it's it goes so far back they're they're not from the same language group so yeah that's that's just you know but obviously we we make that connection we see they you know they live in a teepee uh they have like the shaman woman she you know chants and things like that uh we recognize all that as as some things we see uh in some again again to say that each native american uh group would you know or indigenous american group would have uh the similar practices it's like you know saying that you know every individual does the exact you know right there's so many different groups and they all had different customs and, and traditions so anyway the next is uh, the spread of Christianity. And, you know, this is something obviously we talk about for a long time. Um, but, you know, and I, I'll just say this insofar as it relates to what we talk about, because we see this thematically a lot in shows we like. We see characters like uh, Rollo in, in Vikings, who his conversion was huge, right? And, of course, Rollo being the um, ancestor of William the Conqueror it was significant and important. Um, for the you know, as you know, the Norse people, the, they after they invaded all these lands of of Europe, um, and 
you know, even going so far as into like to like Kiev, uh, and you know, apparently, allegedly becoming like the the Rus tribe. After a while, and as we see happening in, in England, that the the Viking people ultimately, you know, kind of just became part. They just began to trade with the people who were already there. Then then they began to intermarry, and ultimately, what was once two separate cultures blends, and the two kind of integrate into each other, and they become one people. Um, and so that's kind of a, lot, a big part of how Christianity happened. It was very gradual. It wasn't just one person. And Saint Olaf is the patron saint of of Norway, which I didn't know that before, though I did just listen to a podcast about uh, you know, Viking places in London. Uh, Olaf himself was actually, I didn't realize that he was, I mean, I knew that there was this character, Olaf, but I didn't know who he represented historically in the show that begins with the letter V. I know why that happens, because uh, for that particular show, I stopped looking at the historical figures, because after I looked up Ragnar Lothbrok, I found out what happened to him, and it just spoiled uh, pretty much the last season he, that he was in. So I stopped looking up all the, the, the historical people there and everything. So Olaf himself was, you know, is oft credited with being a significant part of Christianizing uh, Norway. Um, and, you know, he did this, you know, as much through violence as, as he did through, you know, well, actually, I think he pretty much just did it through violence. But but he is a saint, and he is the last Western saint to be recognized by the Eastern Church as well. Um, but this time of 1031 is is really kind of like a a flashpoint. That's definitely when the the the, the Christian and the Norse religion are, are very much uh, reaching a a kind of a a, a, a major confrontation there. So. Um, last thing really quickly, uh, talking about a little Stone Age Scandinavians. Uh, we got our man Navin uh, running around naked. I was trying to think, I was look, trying to look up, would a Scandinavian Stone Age person actually be running around without clothes on? And the answer to that is, obviously, we don't really know, but it seems unlikely. But if he were, then that actually can, we can probably date what time about he came from. It'd probably be from about 10,000 BCE because around then there was actually this kind of like warming flash in uh, southern Scandinavia that actually a lot of people moved further north into Scandinavia at that point. So if there were a time where, and he's clearly a, a, uh, a Paleolithic man because he, um, he doesn't have tools. He just uses a regular rock to kill the rabbit. He doesn't use it as a tool. He just, I mean, he uses a tool, but he doesn't f- create it. He doesn't make an axe or a hatchet out of it. And then he doesn't cook his food. Uh, before that, uh, Scandinavia was like kind of like a big ice sheet, and I doubt he'd be uh, willing, able to walk around with his, his willy hanging out without freezing his willy off at that, uh, before that time. So, so there you go. A lot of stuff there in, uh, in in Project X this this week. Feel free to uh, to send hate mail to to Dave's email. And uh, anyway, let's move on. All right, good stuff. And uh, you know, we really do need some history context for some of the things that happen in this series and this episode in particular. But let's go ahead and talk about episode two of season one written by Eilif Skodlin, directed by Jens Lien. And I went back and looked. This originally aired August 21st, 2019. 
Now, back in the good old days. Yeah, exactly. Now, one (laughs) of the things we we learn in this episode, Lars apparently has carpal tunnel syndrome, and uh, we'll you know leave it to your imagination how he contracted that. But oh, stop. yeah. Behave now, yourself. I uh, know. Now, <laughs> how long Alfidar's been in the present, we still don't know. But, uh, you know, as you talked and we we hear in uh, the feedback section, we do get a more accurate time frame for her 1031. I'm going to bring up some other issues about that later on in the discussion. We also learned that warriors don't get authorized for police work and on the one hand you can understand why on the other hand if you get one like her you're clearly getting a really good police officer she yeah claimed to but be a- there's a that raping and pillaging bit that is just so un- unhealthy for the police force well or not, true but maybe. but if you get somebody like her who is clearly intelligent and, and has clearly been able to assimilate into this culture and leave the nasty stuff behind then you know i think can, can be effective but i love the fact that she claimed to be a farmer's wife and i'm gonna go ahead and use the v word vikings i wonder whether that's a, a little subtle reference to lagertha who was essentially a farmer's wife i mean she was a shield maiden but as the series opens she and ragnar are you know really farmers and their journey begins at that point the other thing i wanted to just throw out there about the 19th century individuals we continue to hear the adjective bohemians in conjunction with these 19th century individuals 19th century bohemians unconventional lifestyle i guess that's who we're talking about here are all time or maybe they're all from czechoslovakia well, it could be as well, right? So we don't know whether they're all from that time period, just as we don't really know are all the people from the Norse era, are they all from that 1031 time period? Or are we getting people from all different time periods? We, we still don't really know that yet, which, again, is fine. Well, what we can say is it seems like all of the 19th century people are tools. It does seem that way. So that would be, if if you were speaking British English, you'd be a Pratt. Um, I don't know the word in Norwegian, but it'd be a not nice word. Well, I love the opening scene. We get this four minute sequence of a flashback to Alfadar on the Finn Marks Vida Plateau in 1031. I'm sure I mispronounced that. Just roll with it. Yeah. So she rides into this desolate village looking for the man that killed Olaf the Stout. And of course, we, we've heard that name in episode one and, and you know, some of these connections uh, it are, are starting to make a little bit more sense. But you mentioned the group's seer, this old blind woman, and I guess that's required that if you are a seer, you can't see. Sure. Uh, but some fascinating things come out of that little exchange where we hear about the lake with a thousand lights is this connected to the time migrations it it certainly would seem but more importantly she says i see a place where the cities shine like stars does she see the future is she describing what we assume are modern cities 
Yeah, I mean, obviously that's that's what are, are supposed to be our takeaway. But you know, this is classic forecasting the future, where you just say things that are vague enough that it can apply to almost anything. And this is why everyone thinks Nostradamus was was so prescient, right? Uh, but but yeah, I mean, obviously, if we think that this lady is is in in some way. Uh, displaying any kind of supernatural skill that that certainly she's probably seeing how Alfie Deer is going to ultimately be in Oslo. Right. Modern Oslo. Now, right. Now, when I mentioned last week that I thought she came from 1012, you know, the math involved had to do with her confrontation of the fat guy with the beard in the bathroom who had raped her as a 12 year old. And she said, I, I forget exactly, but, you know, it's been a, a thousand and whatever years. And I figured, all right, well, we're in 2019 when the story takes place. So that's how I came up with that tw- 10, 12 year. But but clearly she is in Norway in 1031, which, you know, is really uh, incontrovertible evidence. Right. But But now having seen this episode and particularly the ending, I'm starting to wonder whether we have any characters that have gone back and forth. And is that possible? Exactly. That's definitely a a big takeaway from the, now we don't know if that is a situation, but it, you know, that certainly this question I'm asking is, was this woman, did she come before and and now is she trying to get back? Right. 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 And, and uh, you know, we don't really have any evidence that that would be the case with Alfeeder, but I mean, you just never know. I, I, I would tend to think not, but th- this scene and, and you know, the, the things that the seer kind of foretells are, are just, you know, really fascinating. But we get that uh, scene where she reunites with her shield maiden friend, and, and I love it. She gets that cryptic message. Somebody wants to see her at the museum. Well, right away, we're wondering, well, why the museum and, and who would want to see her? Because we haven't really been privy to her world outside of the police department. And I love it. It's it's a female acquaintance who is under arrest for destroying a painting. Dude, did you love Alfredar's explanation yeah. <laughs> to talk her friend out of it's it's great because you know and i don't know if this is kind of what, what's bothering um fred about this is how um someone like alfie Deers can so navigate so well the modern world that she's able to you know completely use 21st century zeitgeist to explain her friend's behavior and get her out of trouble something that would be completely not even in the realm, like the language she uses would not even be something that she'd be able to express as a woman in 1031. Right. Exactly. Because unless I misunderstood her, her argument was that my friend was actually there at that battle that's depicted in the painting and the inaccuracies of the painting are, are causing her emotional distress. And I think she even says, or mentions PTSD. Well, I don't think so. it was the inaccuracies. I think she's just saying that the artwork itself triggered, you know, a post-traumatic response. Oh, and then okay. she, you know, says make sure that they uh, properly have signage up 
for all their exhibits to warn uh, Norse and Stone Age people that uh, there's artwork that that might cause emotional reactions in them. So okay, all right, that that certainly makes more sense. Yeah. But uh, it's hilarious, though. I mean, it's so it, it is hilarious, and and the fact that we can see they have a history together, yet uh, I, I believe her name is Erd. I, you know, I didn't catch a name at all. Yeah, I, I think, I don't know if she said it. I think I looked it up in IMDb. Okay. But we clearly see they have a history together. We assume they've fought together, but then we learn that, yeah, but you tried to steal my man, and, and uh, <laughs> that's not something I can forget. But clearly she does forget. And, right, uh, right. The, and then, the, you know, she pours, you know, alcohol down her, over her breast <laughs> later and so. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but we learned that she's only been here two years, which doesn't help us in, in how long Alfidar has been here. Right. But, you, you know, the idea that it's taken her this long to find her. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, she doesn't exactly say that, but she does ask her, well, how did you find me? Well, and she mentioned some Facebook group or something. I, I forget what it was, but I, I guess my question is, okay, Erd, you just got here two years ago. Why do you think Alphadar is here? Why do you think she time migrated? You follow what, what I'm getting at? I'm not so sure. Well, in other words, okay, we, we know these people don't seem to have any recollection of time traveling. You know, right. one minute they're in... 1031 Norway the next minute they're in you know 2019 Oslo right so once she gets here in 2019 or, or for her in her case 2017 why would she think that her friend is here as well did she see her oh. just like disappear right yeah good point um yeah I don't know so, or yeah, she could have just either. been on Facebook and, and saw her on Facebook well that could I mean, be like, true. Holy crap. There's, there's my friend Alpha Deer. Right. Now they go to the Viking bar and then they end up at the church that, you know, named after St. Olaf, which they of course then, you know, mock the Christian faith. And, and, you know, that, that was, I, I think important that you bring up some of the, the history about you know, how Christianity kind of clashed with the Norse mythology and their religion with with the gods and we certainly saw that in in vikings a lot as well but again it's kind of funny as they're in the church and she's looking at christ on the cross and then we find out that her friend put mushrooms in her food and now she's hallucinating but yet she's got the wherewithal to notice the van and how it fits into the case they're working on. Uh, unbelievable. Right. Right. So, yeah, she's, she's, uh, you know, like she, even, even with her system as polluted as it was at that point, she still is able to, um, grace under pressure, I believe is what Hemingway called it. So, uh, okay. And, and, and again, there hasn't been a ton of humor, in the first two episodes, I think this one had a little bit more, but as they are drunk and, and rowdy on the streets, somebody comes up and, and mentions uh, Norway for nowadays people, 
We were here first, she tells him, and yeah, she's she's not wrong. She's she's <laughs> got an excellent point, right? Right. Like Norway for Norwegians. It's like, dude, <laughs> like really? But but um, but you know, it's it's perfect because I'm just gonna say it, people who think like that are are not deep thinkers, right? And so the the the, the the slight complexity in that these people who are the quote unquote outsiders are actually people who exist on this land long before you did wouldn't really resonate. I don't think with, uh, with the type of people who would say such a thing. Nope. And we've got a, quite a few of them in our own country, but we'll, we do. We'll leave that for another day. Um, but obviously this van has the Cro-Magnon security written on the side and, and she take some photos with her phone. And a lot of what we learn in this episode centers around the truth about Cro-Magnon security. And, and, you know, you mentioned the Stone Age guy in your Project X, and we see him kill the rabbit. And and then I love the contrast because he returns to this modern house and you're all set for the woman to scream. And no, there are a couple. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and then I'm thinking, are, is this some kind of weird role playing that's going on here? But no, yeah. it's just a stark societal contrast that apparently he's the head of Cro-Magnon security, which appears to be a front for be foreigner trafficking. And and then we, we get that great scene when he's grilling his two flunkies, one of whom is, you know, a right. contemporary Norwegian, and he's eating that rabbit head raw. Yeah. Uh, Paleolithic. Yeah. um, (laughs) Do that for effect. Now, you mentioned Paleolithic, and and I guess I don't know if you came across this in your research. I've done a minimal amount. I guess I'm a little surprised that he has the intellectual wherewithal to put together this crime syndicate. Exactly. Um, right. And well, it's actually very funny because I was just listening to a podcast today that um, was talking about how you know, the Homo sapiens from 250,000 years ago are were exactly like them. We have the same size brain, the same emotions, everything. We are we are exactly the same as those people. So. You know, Navin is exactly like us. Now, what my question is, is that, you know, language acquisition, complete language acquisition comes in, at, you know, very early in life. And, and there's been a number of cases to demonstrate, especially with like feral children, that if you don't really acquire language early on, that you really don't ever. So could someone from that long ago would they have had a a language system that would be complex enough that he could come to modern world and and understand it of course we can it's and and here is is where um it, it sucks that we don't speak norwegian because i know we're missing out on a lot of stuff you know i know like the way that the different i think i mentioned this last week you know the the differences in speech and language between the Stone Age people and the 19th century people and the Norse and the modern people 
Um, I'm sure those things to a person who speaks Norwegian would be, would be completely obvious. We are seeing the subtitles, and they, you know, we understand through the subtitles that Navin his speech is not as fluent as the other uh, people. You know, obviously, we kind of lose that a little bit uh, in in the translation, so to speak. But but yeah, that was the one thing I was wondering about. Yeah, and, and could someone from that far back a be able to acquire modern languages and then b as you said be able to to start a complex crime syndicate you know and then c still marry a a modern oslo girl when he walks around with his tool hanging out yep so all right now lars shows Alfadar the connections between the monster drawing and the trawl net and, and and rightly so she thinks he's ready to set her up for mockery again but but clearly he, he's not and convinces her otherwise thinks they're on to something but she's got to comb through pages of invoices and and again i love the fact that she hates paperwork yeah. i love her <laughs> but as he points out this is real police work and I think it was, I don't want to say a turning point for her, but she is still really new to the job. Yes, she went through the police academy and all that, but but now the day-to-day grind of being a police officer and certainly all the crime dramas that I watch, I, you know, I see that there's always one person back at the precinct just watching CCTV footage, which apparently the UK has cameras everywhere. Yeah. Well, let's well, see if we can find that car on CC. Yeah, yeah, so who knows. But anyway, my question about her though, did she learn how to read after arrival? Because while certainly the Norse of that era had written language, I mean, you know, we certainly you know know that from the sagas that have been passed down, but did the average Norwegian farmer or shield maiden know how to read and write at that point seems unlikely right it seems unlikely so clearly she learned how to do that again i i would love to know how long she's been here regardless i don't care if she's been here 10 years which i doubt because when we see her in 1031 right she looks she's about the same age as she is right now so this is a highly intelligent individual that's been able to assimilate yep. all of this stuff and and you know again you know no wonder she, you know she's such a a good police officer and is only going to get better as, as we go along but uh yeah you mentioned not being able to use the v word i'm like okay <laughs> we have to call the, mention them as being of norse descent okay whatever um <laughs> I just thought it was, that was really funny how, you know, because the captain is so concerned with, you know, PR and everything like that. And he's, you know, being interviewed and he, you know, he drops the word Vikings and then the, you know, the late interviewing has to correct him. Say, oh, we don't use the V word. And that's just, you know, it, it's so funny. And in, in, in and of itself, it's very funny. But also the fact that the, I don't even, I, I'm calling him the captain. I have no idea what his rank is, but, you know, that, that he is, you know, not, not as 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 concerned as he is with public relations he's not very good at managing public relations and he's been brought down here for saying the v word uh he got blindsided by the reporter last week 
um, asking him about the the woman they found down at the water. So um, yeah, it's just he's a very comical and funny figure. Yeah, and, and I mean. You know, we we mentioned whether, you know, there are allegorical elements within this series, and I think that's, you know, unmistakable. And and, and certainly we could argue they're pointing out the idea of political correctness gone awry, which it it often does. And not always. Sometimes it's it's clearly warranted. But as we suspected, there is a human trafficking ring going on, and that's what Cro-Magnus Security is really all about and the two guys the two flunkies that we met earlier they're there to move the women per orders from navin because apparently things are too hot and they need to lie low which which again plays into that whole concept does he have the wherewithal all right i guess he does so yeah i I get it like you know this is where like I, i kind of see fred's um, criticism of it because yeah how is a, a, a person from let's generously say 10,000 BCE so you know we're talking about from some from 11 12,000 years ago that, that has the not only the capacity to, to to build this but to to think like where in his time would he have had the need to you know hide the group of trafficked women that he had from the authorities it's just not, not you know, I mean, again, part of it is is showing that the ability of these people to adapt. But uh, sometimes I, and, and again, I'm not an expert, but I just feel that maybe it's a little bit of a stretch that that this guy would be able to do it. But yeah, you know, we run with it though, right? We we accept it. We we have a, we suspend our disbelief because uh, it's it makes for good TV. Yeah, and you know, again, maybe we'll get answers down the road. Who knows? But uh, the next day at work, she's clearly in bad shape, uh, <laughs> as most people are the day after mushrooms. Very green around uh, the hills, yeah, uh, or so I've heard. <laughs> but she still briefs the team about what she's seen. Most of the Crow Magnon employees are prehistoric, but you know, not all. You know, we know the the one guy is. is from the present so the two of them go on the stakeout of the company and obviously one thing leads to another we get a great scene in the rowboat where she you know makes a comment about his inability to row and of course she's very skilled at it but they burst in you know free the girls who are freaked out and you understand i mean at this point they don't know who to trust again some of these crime dramas that i've been watching have had episodes about human trafficking. And, and in this case, they're generally women from East Europe and, and they don't speak the language and they're freaked out. Uh, how do we know these are actually police? But, you know, they start rounding up the girls and we get Eric from Ragnarok as one of the uniform cops. And, yes. and we met him in the first episode, asks right. her out as they're rounding up the girls. So, uh, you know, we'll see where that goes, hopefully down the road. I mean, are, are, are we shipping her and Lars? You know, I, I don't, maybe, maybe a little bit, but, you know, at this point, uh, you know, not necessarily, but I, I mean, it's probably pretty natural to, to think if you have your two main leads, you know, they're, they are not in relationships that, Maybe kind of low key, we we start to ship them a little bit, but uh, 
No, but this, this guy, I can't remember his name. I just called him the ass dude because the first time we saw him, his, his butt was hanging out. But, uh, you know, he doesn't seem like a great guy. He seems like a little kind of like a little overconfident, a little cocky. Um, and maybe a, a bit of us does kind of feels protective towards Lars and it's like, dude, back off. But, you know, she's she's a well, big girl. She can definitely handle herself. So, you know, I was going to say, I don't think we need to worry about her. No, no, at all. At all. So we, we find out more about Navin's wife, and she's got Caveman's wife brand, which she's hosting this party for, because as he says, wife has won glory for blogging, which I, I think then speaks to what you were saying a few minutes ago about his language skills and how they're certainly impressive for somebody from his time period, but they're not up to par with with many of the others still nobody threatens navin during his wife's blogging party (laughs) i love it and then lars neighbor we we just got a real brief scene the guy that he buys drops from and his son i guess he climbs down the balconies and into lars apartment because his father is being dangled over the edge by 19th century Bohemians who apparently right. are tools, drug dealers in their own right and claim that he's intruding on their turf, which, okay, we, we get people from the 19th century. They would be, you know, I think that would be a reasonable expectation that they would know how to do that as opposed to what we sure. said about uh, Navin. Then I love, you know, as they're rounding up the girls, Lars notices one of the women has the same tattoo as his drop supplier. Great scene when he reunites the family at Mm -hmm. at the station that night. And and that's what I was referring to, you know, when he asks them to come to the station, he thinks, oh, crap, you know, I'm getting busted for selling drops, but no. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, you know, obviously you don't, you don't need necessarily a personal drama to understand how horrible human trafficking is and everything. But uh, it really, what, you know, if, if we, at any point, we, we have no ability to, to sympathize with Navin or, or try to understand him or want to understand him or see him as anything except for a monster. Um, and, and that really is solidified when we see the, the, reuniting of of the family here that uh his neighbor thought that his wife was dead lars reunites him and they you know they they you know, drop to the ground and cry and hug each other you, you, if you're if you're a human being you can't help but be affected by that scene even lars is crying um so you know so part of it is that that very emotional scene but also it really solidifies our anger and our discussed with with novin well and, and i agree and i think it also reinforces for lars and alfadar that what we're doing is important and we're not always going to have a win like we had today but if we stay at it we, we really can help people which then kind of leads into that final sequence when everything's over they're at the station and she asks lars if he's going to come celebrate with the group but he's going to stay behind to watch footage from the lake and she just plops right down next to him and he's like go ahead she goes no i'm a film buff 
or films buff or something. Uh, And then she tears her sub in. Yeah. yeah, Tears her sub in half, hands it to him. And he complains he's gluten allergic, which Uh, she finds hilarious. Yeah. Calls it an evil spirit. I think it's like, what the hell is gluten? Yeah. Well, like she's like, you call me superstitious and you won't eat bread because there's an evil spirit (laughs) called gluten in it. Oh, but he gives in and, and obviously it's meant to reinforce the fact that these two are growing closer and you know i think she was open from the start it took him a little while not not long though and you know that's i think why i love this scene but then it throws a real head scratcher at us as they're watching the footage i mentioned cctv footage i don't know where they got this footage but they see the dead woman disrobe on the beach or whatever it is walk to the shore and into the water four hours before she time graded Mm -hmm. so did she go to the past and return is she you know i mean they know she appeared and now how can she be here when she hasn't gotten here yet right Right. So yeah, it's it's it, it is it, it it's not uh, a, a simple thing to understand. It, it's come you know we don't we don't get what's going on, but but what we do know is that she obviously was already here when the time event happened. So the question is, you know, is she someone? You know, again, like I said, my working theory is she's a person from the past that maybe is able to travel back by by somehow by being there. Though I don't know, did, did someone, I can't remember if they would say anything about their ability to travel back or not. But of course that begs the question then, if, if that is a thing, if you can travel back, well, wouldn't more people be doing that, right? Right. I don't think we've heard that they can travel back. I think this would be the first instance okay. that we're presented with that would, would cause us to see that as a possibility. I don't remember the exact time, so I'm just going to throw some random times out there. But they're operating, Lars and Alphadar, under the assumption that she came in with the 4 a.m. time migrants. But I don't think they have clear evidence that shows that she did. They're just making that assumption. Right. Well, but she's, she's dressed in modern clothes. She has a, a, a winter jacket. She has a parka on. So in this she, scene. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So like you said, she was already here and their assumption that she migrated in the 4am is clearly incorrect. Right. That, that she was already here. So the question is why is she going back into the water? Yes. Is she trying to go back? Is she going to kill herself? Um, that, I mean, that's a possibility, right? Right. We, we don't really know. So, uh, yeah, you know, the last thing I want to mention, and then, of course, anything you uh, want to bring up that we haven't, you know, we talked last time about the Roos Boots, and we learn here that Lars loans his daughter 10,000 kroner. So that's like $1,100 U.S., Okay. which is quite a bit and, and that's, that's a bit. To, yeah, yeah tobias will address that a little bit in his feedback so uh all right anything else you want to bring up well, well once you bring that up i i think 
So, you know, he, they obviously, and, and I mentioned this last week, they obviously are annoyed with him kind of going behind their back. But uh, Lars points out, well, you know, divorced parents often are, are conflicted over the, you know, the, the roost fairing, I'm not going to try to pronounce it, but, you know, the, 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 the end of year celebration. And, you know, basically his attitude is like, well, you don't think she should do it. I think she should. And so I did it. So F you, <laughs> you know, we're not, you don't have control of me. You're, you're not, but you know, that's, that's, I know that's not great way attitude to have when you are, you know, uh, you know, in, in a, a separated situation, um, raising a child. That being said, I feel like maybe Lars is a little bit better off without her because she seems like a, a, a uh, unpleasant person to live with on a daily basis, I guess <laughs> would be the case. And, and so after seeing, and, and he actually does get a little jab in, right? Because he's like, Oh, it's not nice being left in the dark. And, and, and she's like, Oh, so this is like revenge. So that seems to be some kind of um, reference to, I guess, maybe her infidelity with Gregor's uh, while she was still married to Lars, though we don't know, but that, you know, their reactions would tend to lead me to believe that. Um, but honestly, in all of it, uh, I, I'm kind of like, you know, Lars, uh, you're probably better off as it is, bro. So um, so there's that. And, and speaking of, of Lars and his what we don't know or know or don't know about him, when they look into the, the warehouse and see the women and they're they're giving them the, the eye drops that Lars takes, right? And um, so obviously that what we learned last time, it, it's a drug that they give to newly arrived people to help them their temporal displacement or whatever, uh, whatever you would call it. So again, what is Lars doing with this drug, right? Yeah. That, that, yeah. that raises, especially this, this episode, seeing the women in their rea- and, and the state that they were in. Um, before they got the drug, that really calls some stuff, you know, makes me start to think about that a little bit. And then last but not least, uh, you know, when Lars is, um, you know, he's crying when he sees this family reunited, um, you know, part of it, obviously, it is an emotional scene, right? But he also, I, I think part of it is he sees his family as being kind of torn apart, Right. Um, and, and maybe he feels like it's, but he still gets to see his daughter, right? And it's, his ex-wife is still alive and everything. So, but maybe he's feeling a little bit of the loss of the family that, uh, that he, when he reunites these people. So that's all. We're moving on to some feedback. Sure. Well, well, we've got a lot more feedback than usual this week. So let's go ahead and get started with that. And we don't ordinarily read Facebook posts in the feedback section, but David Howarth has one this week that I, I think really should be read on, on the uh, podcast. So I'm going to sure, go ahead and do that. Do if there was a sci-fi story about someone who went back in time, thousands of years and murdered hundreds of thousands of people, you'd have thought there would be quite some impact on the present millions, if not tens of millions of descendants would vanish New people that were descendants of previously killed people would appear. Constructions, inventions, writing, etc. from the 19th century would vanish or change. 
But even though that is essentially what is happening in Be Foreigners, there seems to be no ramifications whatsoever. After the first episode, I, like you, wondered about what was causing the time traveling, and then I realized we'd probably never know. I doubt even the writers know or have given it any thought. This isn't a sci-fi story. I doubt if the creators have even seen Back to the Future. This is a (laughs) Scandi detective drama with an immigration backdrop, and that's fine. I like Scandi detective dramas, and once I'd ranted at my TV, I could ignore all the sci-fi stuff and enjoy the show. I also looked up both Wayne's Project X subjects. Maybe they thought that Ruth's Fearing was world famous. I've been to Oslo, but I don't think I knew it used to be called Christiana, or if I did, I'd forgotten. The only other thing I remember looking up was a location. I actually thought the sea monster idea was entirely possible. Given that we have people from the Stone Age appearing, it seemed quite reasonable that a prehistoric large fish that's been long extinct could have been transported here. At least there aren't any dinosaurs left. Well, Jurassic Park, but I don't think I ever quite understood the reason for the eye drops. I put it down to the fact that all detectives apparently need to be divorced and or have a drug addiction problem. That's true. I I like all the characters and thought most were likable. One of Lars' female colleagues was an exception. We talked about her. I'm not sure I completely understood the end to the story, so maybe you're covering it. We'll make it clearer. Apparently, the main actress is actually Finnish and had to learn both Norwegian and Old Norse for the show. All right. Great stuff, David. And, and just a couple of things that, that I want to address. I mean, I, I, I think we mentioned this earlier. I mean, I, I disagree with you that it's not science fiction. I understand where you're coming from with this. And I, I, I guess what he's bringing up is the idea of the grandfather paradox. Sure. And... It's time travel, so the writers make up their own rules. I, I Again, I disagree. I, I find it hard to believe that they haven't seen Back to the Future. But you take a show like Continuum, and, and we had that scene where uh, I think it's Roger Cross's character kills Kellogg's grandmother. And when Kellogg doesn't disappear, he's like, oh, okay. Yeah. So clearly he actually looks grand- at his hands, right? Like in classic Back to the Future fashion. Like, am I going to start disappearing like Marty McFly? Right. So whatever the time travel rules are, and whether these writers have established them or feel the need to, I mean, we don't know at this point. But I, I guess I'm not ready to read that much into it yet. Yeah, I, I do feel like we'll learn eventually what's causing the time migrations. And I have no idea how well this is doing for HBO Max. We know it's gotten a second season, whether it'll get a third season and beyond, who knows. Uh, but I do believe one day we will you know, learn about that. And, yeah. and, and of course, I love his idea that it could have, there could have really been a sea monster as a, a prehistoric fish that somehow you know came through along with one of the time migrants but you know and, and then lastly yeah and this is something my wife and i have talked about on so many occasions about the detectives in all of these international shows and, and i don't watch any american detective shows anymore yeah almost all of them have some sort of a problem they're either right. single parents drug addicts 
alcohol, whatever. But there's nothing. There's nothing wrong with being a single parent, by the way. You know, not no, no, of course but, not. But, but you're right. They, they they have issues. They always have issues, right? Right, right. So uh, anyway, great stuff, David, and uh, you know, look forward to your posts each week in the Facebook group. Yeah. So why don't we go ahead and listen to our two audio feedbacks, and we will be right back. Hey guys, it's Tobias from Norway. I've been listening to you for a while now, and I actually live in Oslo, so I thought I'd send in an audio clip for the first time. I can see the building Lars lives in from my living room right now, and I also live nearby the central police station that you see on the show. I don't think you mentioned it, but I assume you're watching the show dubbed, like you did with Dark, which... You know, if so, I obviously disapprove of it, but at least it seems to keep the original audio for the Norse parts. Anyway, I thought I'd clear up a couple of things from your first discussion. First of all, the Rus celebration. It is true that basically every high school graduate here participates to some extent, but it is definitely not the case that everyone buys an actual bus and hires a driver for several weeks. That's reserved for, you know, upper-class kids, which, to be fair, it seems like Ingrid actually is. Uh, Her mom and Gregir live in a very nice house later, and in the prologue of the first episode, her parents buy a condo in a pretty expensive part of town, although obviously that place basically becomes a slum later since it's right near the harbor where the beforeigners start appearing. So what the Rus kids usually do, and what my friends and I did, is uh, buy an old rundown van, which they redecorate, and then they take turns being the designated driver. Okay, second thing, you said that you thought it was weird that Lars didn't recognize the marks from the fishing net because you assumed that uh, Oslo is a fishing town. Well, it isn't really. There's a lot of fishing in Norway, of course, and also some in Oslo, but Oslo's not really on the actual coast, or at least on the coastline of Norway, which is very long. We're kind of tucked into the Oslo fjord here. So, you know, Norway is known for a lot of fishing and oil and stuff. But uh, since Oslo is the capital, it's instead kind of known for its IT consultants and its bureaucrats and so on. So the people from the Norwegian countryside make fun of us and think we drink a lot of latte and work in graphic design. So I didn't find that very strange. Uh, In episode two, Name's wife is introduced And she's a blogger, and I think she's kind of a caricature of an Oslo influencer as uh, the Norwegian country people see us. All right, last time, I think you said Alfhildr was from 1012 or something. Well, by now, you'll have found out she's from the 1030s. And uh, maybe Project X could look into the year 1030 and see if anything notable happened in Norway around then. If there were any major battles between Norse people and Christian missionaries, that kind of stuff. Also, the opening of the second episode features the indigenous people of northern Scandinavia, the Sami people, the ones with the reindeer. Maybe something else for Project X to look into, I don't know. Uh, The Sami are still around today and they keep their own traditions and they also have their own language. I think that's it. I don't have much to say about the plot itself, but... I hope I provided kind of a Norwegian view on things. Keep up the good analysis. Later. 
Hello, Dave and Wayne, and all listeners to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Beforeness Season 1, Episode 2. You said in your previous podcast and wrote in the blog post that I had some issues with the premise of the series. Well, that's actually not true at all. When I would have problems with the premise, I wouldn't follow your podcast for all these kinds of genre shows. So the premise of somebody in a strange situation arriving from other times in our time, for instance, is not a premise I dislike, not at all. It's only the execution of how they do this. And one of the big differences to other shows like The Magicians, etc. and Lost Girl is that you are in a magical world. And here, unless in the next three, four episodes, it changes. This is not a mystical world. This is just our world. And what is mystical is that these people arrive from other times. But how they then behave in our just normal time, that's really, really unlikely. Especially if we are talking about being here for 10, 15 years or so. Because you said, Wayne, that Lars's wife was pregnant in the beginning and now they have a teenage daughter. Though some years is probably 15 years or so. And we see that again in this episode. I will talk about that a little later. I don't know if you've ever seen the series The Crossing, which has a kind of same premise and i like that much better although that series got only one season and then it was finished but looked all more likely apart from the crossing i think travelers also did it much better than beforeners travelers of course also had people from other times arriving in our time and also the series Impulse did that better although not coming from other times but also relocating people Dave, you were talking about that I was contributing to Winona Herb podcast. I don't do that anymore. Well, talking about bad premise, well, actually, it's crazy. Uh, because of this series, I went to the US. And actually, because of this series, partly, I was able to visit you. But I'm really starting to dislike this show. And of course, you can say, I told you so. In uh, in comparison to Beforeners, Winona Earp is really, really crazy and Beforeners is just a perfect show. Okay, getting into the second episode. First question I have, do the people that come from other times land up at the exact same spot as they leave? Probably not, because they land up in the water. And I looked up this Finnmark's Svida Plateau. Uh, it's actually in northern Norway. And Alfredor is now living in Oslo. So did she arrive in the northern parts and traveled the last 10, 15 years down to Oslo? Or did she initially already land up in the Oslo area? Which is in the south of Norway for the people who do not know the European geography. Another remarkable thing I found is Madison Woman in 1031. It sounded very much to me like Native American chanting. Is there a connection between Native Americans over the Eskimos to the northern parts of Norway? Possibly yes. I didn't look it up. On the other hand, I think Native American languages don't sound like Viking time Nordic languages. Next thing was this naked guy running around. Where does he come from? Is he from the Stone Age? And did he somehow get power in these 10-15 years? Or is this just a 
regular guy from our time that is very much inspired by the Stone Age and is imitating that behavior. If we see his teeth, I have the idea he is from the Stone Age. Uh, apart from running around naked and eating raw rabbit, he quite adapted to the modern world, having such a house and so, so much power. Okay, I have to stop this recording because I have to go to my dentist, my regular appointment. I don't know how it's in the States, but here in the Netherlands, most people have a yearly or half yearly checkup with their dentist. You don't go to the dentist just when you have complaints. Well, some people do, but in general, most people have a dental care plan. And I have to admit that I was a little scared to go to the dentist with this COVID because, yeah, they are working in your mouth, etc. And they have worked in the mouth of somebody else just uh, 10 minutes ago. I was really a little bit scared, I have to admit. But now I have no complaints, but I took my courage to get my regular checkup. Yeah, that's what COVID does with you, even if you don't have COVID. Actually, I was quite sick last week. High fevers. Got a COVID test at my university, negative. I was so sick that I actually couldn't believe it. So I took a second test, also negative, and was really frustrated that I didn't know what was happening. And the regular flu is at the moment very, very low because of all the COVID measurements. So almost nobody has the flu. And for the last three weeks, I almost saw nobody. So what the heck? What did I have? And my family members, uh, four other people, didn't have any complaints. And perhaps as a medical guy, I got extra annoyed. And the most frustrating was I was quite sick for five to seven days. And I even don't land up with a little bit of COVID immunity. <laughs> okay, greetings. All the best. Fred from the Netherlands. All right. Well, Tobias, we you know welcomed you as a new patron earlier in the episode. Um, love the fact that you checked in with us with your feedback, and we are both watching in the original Norse with English subtitles. And I I think because he mentions that with dark, at least I did. I can't remember what you said with with dark. I watched English audio with English subtitles. Because it's just so dense that it right. was just too easy to miss things as we're trying to write down notes. But here, not that the show's not dense, but it's not dark. <laughs> Very few right. shows are dark. Right. So, and, and it's like with dark, I would I would be reading the subtitles and I wouldn't be able to keep up. Because as I'm trying to process it, right, the next thing would come up. And I'm like, well, wait, what the heck? So actually with dark, I would... I would watch it, the dubbed version first, and then I'd go back and watch it again with the subtitles. Um, but this, I don't even, I don't think HBO Max, have you looked to see? I didn't if, even look. Uh, yeah, I didn't even look to see if there was an option to watch it, uh, the, the dubbed version. So, you know, it just, um, I'm following it just fine with the, the subtitles and everything. And, and I, I like I like hearing the the original language. Uh, it's that's definitely preferable. Uh, but uh, you know, like I said, it just makes me wish that you know, like it kills me, like to hear Tobias and how well he speaks English. And I'm like, I am a freaking moron that I only can speak one language, and that just barely, and that like almost everyone in Europe speaks multiple languages fluently and that uh, you know we 
we've got a real problem here in America, man. Well, we got many of them, but uh, yeah, yeah, that's cl- that's clearly one of them. And and you know, my wife and I watch all our international shows in the original language. It, it just, as you said, it, it's it, you almost have to. And you know, dude, this is why I love the international you know, community we've got going here because sure. we, we get so many other perspectives. Uh, Oslo's not a fishing town um, or not really a fishing town. And uh, you know, of course he, he throws out the idea about 1031 in Oslo, which uh, you kind of addressed a little bit in your project X. Now uh, Fred, you know, he brings up a good point that, the difference here, as opposed to shows like The Magicians or uh, Winona Earp, is that this is not a magical world. It It's the real world that's just presenting a different dynamic. So, I, you know, when, when you think about it in those terms, I, I understand how Fred is having a difficult time with some of the things in, in the uh, series. And he mentions the show, the crossing, which I did see and didn't really care for a whole lot. I, I just really didn't like any of the actors. Uh, it was okay, but uh, it just never really, uh, really grabbed me. And, and then, you know, he brings up the idea of whether or not travelers leave and enter at the same geographic point. I'm assuming they do. I mean, you know, the whole thing about what the world was like, what Norway, Oslo, Christiana, whatever you're calling it, whatever you called it in your time period, um, obviously things changed. And you, Navin, you know, mentions about, or he certainly implies that this area was all under ice when he was alive. Right. And it no longer is. So uh, I'm assuming that, that yes, they are going from the same geographic point and they're just traveling through time in, in a straight line. But again, we don't know that for sure yet. So. Right. And, and um, I feel they're traveling up north to, to visit the Sammy. She would just have been doing that traveling. There's definitely not where she was from it, her, you know, the, the, at that time, I, I'm pretty sure most of the population of Norway it was lived coastally, right? Um, but obviously, some people did live more inland, but um, you know, most people. She would have definitely been more coastal and definitely living in the south rather than up north, where it's just a Sami, pretty much. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, especially at that time. Really, I, I, if I recall, it wasn't until like maybe the the eighteenth, nineteenth century that really even the the people of the South even started bothering with the the, the Sami, and and unfortunately, it was in the case of oh, those people are too primitive, and we need to, you know, we need to educate them. We need to. So a lot of things that happened to. We talk about the, the Native Americans, how they're not related, but there are related in many thematic ways in that. The, um, the Scandinavian people decide that they need to civilize the Sami, and so they would take their children and uh, bring them to, um, you know, southern schools and teach them, and would basically you know, start this kind of this um, emigration away from the tribe that has had, you know, as it has for the Native American tribes, has had a, a really terrible effect on the future of the people. So, okay. and as far as Alfadar goes really none of that matters because we don't know 
where she was when she time migrated. And, you know, we get that flashback, but we, we don't really have a lot of context for, you know, where that was in her life and, uh, you know, and when she migrated. So yeah. I assume know. we're going to see at some point, I mean, like uh, David said, he doesn't think we're going to see why. And I agree with you that I think we are going to find out how they time travel or how that works. And, and probably part of that is, is we're going to see, you know, where they come from in the past. Like, you know, was it a, a big pit in the ground? Was it a pool? If you go swimming in it and you get sucked in, what was it? Right. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, um, Oh, and uh, Fred, uh, Americans also go to the dentist every six months. I just yes, I don't think do. the British do. But uh, anyway, David, <laughs> Tobias, Fred, thank you so much for the feedback. It's always enlightening, and uh, you know we just really appreciate it. Um, any final thoughts on your end? You know, I think all my thoughts have left my brain, Dave. Okay. I think they're all out, bro. Wayne's thoughts have left the building. Yes, they so. have. It happens often. All right. Well, that seems like a good place for us to segue out of here. That will do it for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. Thank you for joining us. Love to hear what you think about Be Foreigners, anything else in your genre TV world. Join the Facebook group if you haven't already. The email is sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. And the website is sci-fi TV rewatch.podbean.com if you need to get some of the back catalog that maybe you can't get in iTunes or Apple Podcasts these days. We'll be back next week to talk about episode three of the HBO Max series Be Foreigners, but until then. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I, I'm eagerly anticipating the next season of The Last Kingdom, and I think it's going to come out sometime in 2021. So that's very exciting, and they, I know that they, uh, the BBC History Podcast is interviewing the the guy who wrote the books, and whenever that happens, it's usually right before it comes out. But, you know, when I think about The Last Kingdom, I think, you know what, what the, the beautiful thing about The Last Kingdom, it just boils down to who doesn't like stabbing and naked girls.